Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey guys, it's Kayla. I'm so happy you're able to join us today because we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. And that's okay. It really is okay. You know, I ask our guests to be brave and to share their extremely personal stories. And I love our directionally challenged community. I love how free we are to just come and admit that we don't have to have it all figured out and accepting ourselves and others for exactly who we are at any given time in life. You know, so I ask guests to go there and I really appreciate and respect them for doing that. And I have yet to go there 
with you guys and tell an extremely personal story. What happened nine months ago when Jones was suddenly born two months early, when I woke up in a pool of my own blood and it is time for me to take you through one of the toughest and most challenging times in my life. I've wanted to share this story with you guys for some time now and I wanted to do it right. I wanted to be at a place in my life where I felt like I could look back and have some perspective and I feel like I'm there now. So here we go. You know, it was it was 5 a.m. and Tanner and Poppy are in the kitchen making pancakes, letting me sleep in and suddenly I just wake up out of a dead sleep. And I don't know why. And I look down and I'm bleeding. And not only am I bleeding, but I am laying in a pool of my own blood. It hasn't stopped. It's still coming. And our bed is completely white. So if you can imagine how that looks instantaneously. And so I immediately scream for Tanner and I and I'm screaming for a towel. I need a I need a towel and and I'm saying to him don't let Poppy in the room because my biggest fear at that moment was that I just didn't want her to see me in this state because it just looks horrible. And so Tanner comes into the room and we've shut Poppy out of the room and she's at the door saying, Mama, are you okay? You need a towel. And Tanner immediately calls the emergency line at the OB's office and they instruct us to get into an ambulance immediately. And Tanner decides that he can get me there faster thank God, if he just gets me in the car and drives me there rather than us sitting and waiting for an ambulance. So he calls his sister who lives about five minutes away and she shows up with her retainer in and her glasses on and she just runs into the house and grabs sweet Poppy and I just yell at her like, don't let Poppy come into the bedroom. We'll handle it later. So she's at her house within five minutes. I wrap a towel around my waist and we're off. And Tanner's driving me to the hospital. He's honking the horn, running every red light. We're driving in silence because I am i don't even know what to say at this point. I don't know if the baby's dying. I don't know if I'm dying. And, and I just don't even know what to say at that point. And we're just concentrating to try and get to the hospital as fast as we can. And once we get there, they immediately wheel me into a room and everyone's looking at me and they they get the bleeding to stop. And they're not sure what happened, but they need to monitor me. So I'm told I'll be staying overnight. And so I asked Tanner to get my toiletries and a huge shout out to my husband, because even under immense stress, he doesn't just grab my toothbrush. He grabs my daytime serum and my nighttime serum and my eye cream and everything <laughs> in between. At one point while he's back home, a nurse rushes in and says, I'm a about to push a button and a lot of people are going to rush in. And I said, okay. And that means the bleeding started again. So now it's increasing significantly. And they say they're really concerned for the baby's life. I'm told I'm going to give birth immediately. Like we're going to give birth as fast as we can. And where's your husband? He needs to get here as soon as possible. So I have to make the phone call to him and say, hey, get here as fast as you can. The baby is, we're going to give birth right now. They asked me to how far away Tanner is and he's about 10 minutes away. The nurses aren't sure they can wait that long. I'm told that maybe the baby won't be breathing when I am give birth. And I pushing for them to just wait a minute until my husband's there because I want him. I need him by my side. I can do this alone, but I don't want to. So 
for 10 excruciatingly long minutes, truly felt like an hour. We're waiting in silence for him to arrive. And there's a nurse standing by the door with the scrubs open. And as soon as Tanner walks in, he throws the scrubs on him and off we go. And once we're in the OR, it kind of becomes a blur. But Jones is finally born and I hear him scream. He's definitely breathing and he's definitely got a set of lungs on him (laughs) that he still uses to this day. But I can't help but cry, cry from relief, from exhaustion and cry for the long road ahead because I've never had a preemie baby and I don't know what that looks like. But the neonatologist comes right up to me and he tells me that Jones's APGAR score is 9 out of 10. And I'm so relieved. So he says he's not worried about him at all. I'm so happy he's here. All three pounds of him. And after five weeks in the NICU, he comes home to us and we introduce him to Poppy. And then ensues countless sleepless nights, fearful nights, because we're not sure, you know, a three pound baby is very tiny compared to a six pound baby, a nine pound baby. You know, they just feel so teeny tiny. And after learning to feed him with a dropper, we made him strong and made him who he is today. And so he's now no longer measured on the preemie charts. And even though he's in the 10th percentile, we'll take it. Every win is a win. He's here. He's strong. And we just took him to his first trip to Disneyland at nine months. And I swear he loved every minute of it. And this is just the beginning of his story. And I am so lucky to be his mama. And so today I want to sit down with Dr. Kelly Fraden. She is the author of a book called Advanced Parenting. She is a pediatrician, a mother of two, and a child advocate based in New York City. As the director of pediatrics at the Atria Institute, she was inspired to become a doctor because of her experience surviving childhood cancer. She's a graduate of Harvard College and Columbia College of Physicians and Surgeons, and she has dedicated her career to caring for children with complex medical conditions in many situations. And I'm so honored to have her here and honored to go through my experience with her and to learn about her experiences with complex medical conditions and children. And so without further ado, I want to thank you for letting me share my story. And I want to thank Dr. Kelly Fraden for our amazing conversation. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Kelly Fraden. And I am here with Dr. Kelly Braden. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know, this episode is one of, it's probably the most personal episode that I've done to date. And that's saying a lot because this podcast has been going for over six years. (laughs) Wow. But my son was preemie and he came two months early. I woke up in a pool of my own blood and my life changed forever. And we also have a three-year-old daughter, my husband and I, and we're so excited to do this thing again. And we swore we had it down. We knew what we were doing. And we were excited to finally feel confident as parents and, you know, famous last words because (laughs) then our son Jones has come into our lives and he's amazing, but he has thrown us for a loop. I know you are so experienced and part of your story is surviving childhood cancer and that made you dedicate your career to caring for children with complex medical conditions. There's so much I want to dive into with you and I'm so happy you're here with me. But before we get into all that, can you share with us a little bit about your story overcoming cancer as a child? 
Yes, absolutely. First, I'm just so sorry that that you had to start his journey in that way. That sounds like it was a really stressful time. Yes. Eager to hear more of, of your journey. But I will share that, you know, my story with cancer, you know, it really started, you know, I fell out of bed on Mother's Day, I guess, when I was about four and I had acute abdominal pain. You know, they thought I had appendicitis and we were in a rural part of North Carolina and the local hospital, they they went in and took out my appendix and it was normal. And then they said, oh, you're, you know, your parents must have been abusing you because you had all this internal bleeding. You know, they didn't have imaging capabilities. This is like a long time ago, right? And not the <laughs> biggest hospital. And so my parents snuck me out the stairwell and took me to a children's hospital, like Duke Children's Hospital, which is an amazing place. But, you know, I guess it just goes to show you like the impact that a parent can have on their child's health just by advocating and and following their intuition and really making sure that their children the care and attention they need. You know, so it's a really important job. And I think it's one, you know, that we don't necessarily give parents a lot of like time, space or training and how to do, but it's it's just essential work that we do to support our children. That's such a good point. There's so many years of schooling for really important jobs that are life and death jobs. Parenting can be a life and death job and there is no way to go about it, no way to learn. I mean, there are books out there and there are YouTube clips and videos, but there's almost too much information. And how do you know what to take and what not to take? And navigating a child's health has so many challenges, you know, emotions are always running high. And I know you discuss common mistakes that parents and caregivers can make when navigating a child's health. Can you take us through some of that? Yes. Uh, You know, I think one of the most common mistakes is to assume that the caregiver, you know, the professional, whether it's an educator or a doctor you know, because of their credentials and their expertise that they they must know. Because I've been in the position as a patient myself, and often you're just, you're, you're sort of vulnerable in those moments of getting care, and you want them to, to know and to have the solution for you. But the truth of the matter is that as the patient or as the parent of a patient, you have an incredibly important job, which is to explain what's going on with you and why it's important and why it needs attention and help make sure that whatever plan is offered makes sense to you and your family. I think sometimes because of the the sort of way we structure healthcare, parents don't always feel so comfortable saying like, no, or I don't understand or like asking hard questions. But but that is part of the process. And, and you are like the most important person in these in these encounters because you're representing your child's needs and advocating for them and transmitting information. And, and it's just a really, really important job to, to spend time doing well. Right. And I can imagine not knowing really what questions to ask. I know, I mean, I want to be clear, you know, having a preemie baby is not the same as having a child diagnosed with a disease. But, you know, going through the situation of being thrust into something and not really knowing what to ask, almost feeling so emotionally overloaded uh, that I felt I felt just stoic. I didn't know what to do. Obviously, many people naturally turn to the place where we find information, the internet. And that's one of our greatest resources. It's also one of our worst 
resources. My impulse when I had just had my baby and he was still in the NICU, he was in the NICU for over five weeks, was to go online. And I mean, I was by no means prepared to you know, go through this. I hadn't planned on this. And so my nurse in the hospital who helped me so much during the process continually advised me against it. And I'm happy I listened. But it's so easy to end up down that wormhole of information. So what tips can you give us when it comes to identifying misinformation online? And and how do we find honest sources that we can trust through the experience? It's a, it's a really important question. And, and I like to have parents start out with the resources recommended by the people caring for their family and their child. Because even if that's going to be maybe a more general resource or a more standard resource, it will give you kind of like the lay of the land overview. And potentially because it's picked out for you, by the people who know you and your child. Potentially, it'll be a more appropriate reference. When you start Googling, you know, you can often find things that don't really apply to your family and they can really get you worked up into a tizzy or, or panic. I have had some people who even years after, they still think of their children as, as being at risk for something that really they're not because they, the, the Google led them astray. So, I think it's also important that when you do Google, because reality is most people will, that you just think about the source of the information uh, as as a real priority. So like, is there a date on the on what you're reading? Is there one person who takes responsibility for writing it? And if so, like, what are their credentials? Is, you know, in general, is it something that you can find on multiple websites because sometimes you'll have one person out there saying something, but then other websites don't seem to corroborate it. And that should raise a flag in your mind of like, maybe this isn't the most like reliable source here. But it's very isolating for a lot of parents when they're navigating a diagnosis, especially if they don't know anyone. Like maybe you didn't know anybody who gave birth preterm and you'd never had talked to somebody who was baby was a NICU graduate, but you might like encounter on social media, like a support group for parents who are dealing with prematurity and they might tell you where to get the, where to get the onesies in the size extra, extra small and, and how to thank your NICU team when you leave or, or whatever it is, the small things that matter too for your, your confidence and comfort in facing a challenge. And it can make you feel a little bit less alone. So I do think connecting with other people can be a benefit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. It can be. It's just making sure you connect with the right people and the right resources. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we're back. You know, for those who are listening, myself included, who have gone through something like this or something similar or who who will go through something like this in the future, I know you have some key questions to ask ourselves when our child is receiving a concerning diagnosis. And I would love for you to be able to take us through that here because that you know, in hindsight, it would have been great to have just at least a few questions written down that I knew I needed to ask or just some sort of guidance in that regard. Yes, absolutely. So I think one of the best responses whenever you're faced with something new or or overwhelming is to kind of approach it with curiosity. So sometimes like I've I've learned from what smart parents have asked me and something sometimes parents will just straight up ask, 
how worried about this should I be? Or, you know, and that's not an off limits question. It's like, this sounds really bad. And I'm really upset hearing this. Like, like, would, should I be this upset and worried? And like, that seems like such an obvious question, but almost something you feel like you shouldn't ask. So that's so amazing to get permission to just flat out ask that. <laughs> yes. Or like, uh, and then the, the other thing you can ask is like, man, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed with all this new information. Is there something you think I need to focus on like today and tomorrow and this week and make sure that I prioritize as I like learn more about this? And so establishing a timeline of sorts for yourself. That's so smart. I think another another good question is is to say, I really appreciate all your advice. And I'm curious, like how standard is the approach to my child's new diagnosis? If I were to ask like five other schools or five other clinics, like would they all tell me to do the same thing? Or or do you think that other people might approach this differently? And and that I think that will get you like two months of research ahead. Because sometimes like a doctor or a teacher, might they might tell you like, this is very common. Like if you have milk protein allergy, like you just stop with the milk and everything will, you know, be okay. And everybody's going to manage it the same way. But then they might for something, for something more customized, like say eczema, it might be that like, you know, we're going to start off with this plan, but every child reacts differently. And we're going to have to respond to it over time by doing more or less or trying different things, or we may end up needing a specialist if it doesn't go in the right direction. And that will just give you like a, it's kind of like an overview of what, what you're dealing with in terms of uh, what you can expect. It's interesting because I love being a parent and I also think it's one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my entire life. And I know I'm not alone in that feeling. And it is so instantaneous. One moment you're not a parent and the next moment, every decision you make is not just for yourself. It's for someone else. And my son now is almost 10 months. So we've had him for a significant amount of time. But going from one child to two was a huge transition, especially, you know, the first time around, it was very normal and healthy. And then this time was such a huge shock. And I think I loved that you openly write and discuss about parental burnout because it is a real thing. And I really relate to that. You know, for those who are listening that have a child who's considered normal when it comes to health, I just want to acknowledge you. We see you. This isn't just about children who have a special diagnosis or anything. I mean, parenting is hard, period. So the burnout is real for you too. And, and it doesn't matter who you are, or who your child is. It, it, it's it's difficult. So how do we continually function day after day? Because it is this incredible, but incredibly exhausting, never-ending journey. So for managing exhaustion and fatigue as a parent, I know you specialize in children with special needs. And just, you know, for a parent in general, what are some tips for us to help manage parental burnout? Yes. You know, first, I just want to echo what you said. I think you know, in my book, I, I really define challenge inclusively. And and I also want to acknowledge that sometimes you're not even sure if your child has a diagnosis. Like maybe it's something like he's a really picky eater and maybe he has sensory issues, maybe he doesn't. Or or maybe it's that your daughter's struggling to read and maybe there's an underlying issue there with her learning or maybe there's not. And 
And the work that you do to navigate those maybe challenges is often just as significant and time-consuming and stressful as when there's a real diagnosis, although it's just, it, it all counts. We're all going through the same thing, even if it feels different and looks different. And and part of the reason I know that if you have a child who has a really dire diagnosis, it might feel like, wait, but mine is harder or whatnot. But the the point of us all acknowledging that we're, we're all using these skills is to kind of unite us because you're not alone if you're the only one who's like fighting with insurance or or feels like they can't leave the house because you have so much to do related to your child's care. A lot of parents can relate to that, even if their children are not maybe as sick as yours. But now I got all off track and forgot what your original question No, this is not. No, because it is such a big, yeah, it is such a big feeling and a big task. And, you know, I guess our whole point is, and what what you say in your book is that it is all inclusive. We are all in this together. And it's also okay to feel like what you're experiencing is a little bit harder. That's okay to feel that way. But we just want to make sure we know we're not alone. No, my question was for (laughs) help us manage our exhaustion and fatigue as a parent. Do you have tips for us to help manage? Because I, I, yes, I get that, you know, having a few cups of coffee helps. But at this point, I need a little bit more than that to help me get through the day. <laughs> totally, totally. And I do. And, you know, of course, I think the best tips are sometimes the hardest to implement. But but the reality is that most parents always put their child first. And it's because it's because we love our children so much. And it's because, you know, we want them to have every advantage and suffer the least they suffer. But I have seen many parents who are so dedicated to their children, you know, hit hit a wall because they are putting their child first at every turn and then they don't have like their cup is empty, you know, and whether whether it ends up that it impacts their marriage or their physical health or their mental health or their their support system of other people in the community who will pitch in when when they need a favor or support. It what we can't do is martyr ourselves. There's one thing I talk about in terms of like, how do you know if it's a good plan you have in place for your child? And a good plan is always like more than one person. So it's not just not just the mom doing everything by themselves and relying on her. Because I think I, sh- I share an anecdote in the book about this mom who was doing that plan and then had to have emergency surgery. And it was like a total disaster for everybody. But, you know, I think a lot of parents hesitate to rely on others because it's more time consuming up front and no one does it like you and no one does it quite as good as you. In the long run, it's better for you as a caregiver if you have more support and it's better for your child if they have like a deeper bench of support too. So not trying to do it all is my is my biggest piece of advice. I love that advice. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I have this conversation with my friends who are also mothers all the time, how it is sometimes easier up front. Oh, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. Let me, I'll just do it. It's faster. It gets, you know, it's more efficient. It's going to make life easier. But in the long run, we need a support system too. And I think a lot of people have family that can help. And a lot of people don't have family that can help. And and if you don't have family, then you've got to find your s- support system somewhere. Or even if that's just a friend and you're doing it together or whatever it is, it, you know, parenting can be lonely 
too. And I think it's really important to be able to find someone you can relate to and bounce ideas off of. And that's why this episode is so important. We don't do many parenting episodes on this podcast. And a lot of people who listen are parents. I'm wondering, you know, we talk a lot about social media on Directionally Challenged. And I would love to hear your perspective on social media and parenting. You know, it feels like there's such a fine line between sharing and oversharing. And sometimes social media can feel like a competitive comparison trap and it feels unhealthy altogether. And then other times you, as you say, can find great support groups on social media, particular to a certain child's diagnosis, and they can make a huge world of difference in their treatment. And that seems like such two different perspectives on social media. So yes, I would love to hear your perspective on it because I, as a mother, go back and forth on it all the time. Yes, I, I think that's really natural. And, and I think it is really important to check in with yourself about how social media is impacting your mental health and your your happiness, frankly, because, you know, we do see when you look at like parenting content on social media, a lot of accounts are actually trying to sell you stuff, right? So yes, it looks like it's just like providing really great parenting advice, but they're also like trying to sell you their course and make you feel like maybe you don't have a handle on it. And so you'll go buy their course because they have good advice and you need their course because they told you you're not doing it right. And it's like, that's not actually so helpful. Even if some of their content is helpful, that underlying sales technique, (laughs) it might undermine your self-confidence. So if you can take the good and, and kind of guard yourself against the bad, you know, it's okay to like learn something new. That's good. That's why you're there, but you don't want it to make you feel worse about yourself because you don't have to always, I think that's the real like trick to parenting content is there's not like just one right way, right? There's only the right way for you and your family. And then, you know, the more generic social experience, you know, I'm a parent and like spring break or holidays, sometimes you see other people, they're going above and beyond and they're doing such amazing things and they have decorations for their house and and sandwiches cut into the shape of bunnies and like all this stuff. And you're like, I am not measuring up to this level of perfect parenting. But But then I think one is like, who are those people? I don't know. But Two, you look at your child and like the day when you're sick and you're like laying around on your sofa and your child gets more extra time with you than normal to watch movies, it's like your child's happiest day. And you're you're just reminded that like the the part of parenting that matters most is not the window dressings of it. It's like the connection with your child. Oh, that's such a good point. And it's so funny because I know my mom and my mother-in-law mean well, but they constantly send me these memes. The holiday that's coming up that we celebrate is Easter. It's coming up pretty soon. And so they sent me these, this would be a cute idea. And, and I, in my head, I'm like, I don't have time to sit there and like, make (laughs) Rice Krispie treats out of peeps and do all, you know, it's like, (laughs) I just, I laugh so hard. I'm like, that is a wonderful idea. But also, do we even know if this is real? You know, half the time on social media, my mother-in-law was here and tried one of the, the, the exact experiment I'm talking about, the peep, it's a Rice Krispie treat recipe that you make with peeps. And 
in the little video, I think it was an Instagram story video that she saw, it turned out perfectly. And it's like that, you know, Instagram versus real life and our real life. It was just this blob mess that burnt and tasted disgusting. And so a lot of times you need to remind yourself that, you know, what you see isn't real. And you're right that just your your little one snuggling up next to you and spending time with you is worth is so much more valuable. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. back in regards to finding a support group on social media my husband and I are working through what we went through with our little one in the NICU and I didn't find a a social media support group to be involved in and he and I really believe in therapy so we got into therapy right away and we went through it and we went at least once a week to just figure it out and discuss it and now almost 10 months in we feel like we have we're on the other side of it but I think and Listen, famous last words. Maybe we aren't. Maybe three years from now, I'll think, okay, no, now we're on the other side of it. But I think had I been able to find a support group to connect with, it probably would have helped me a lot. For those listening who, you know, are going through this, how how do we find a positive support group? And I guess it's similar to the social media thing we just discussed of one that's not undermining us and making us feel like we're not doing well. And then therefore we need something else. First, I just want to say, I'm so glad that you brought up and sought out for yourself and your husband therapy, because it is traumatic when your child faces something, especially when it's unexpected or sudden. And I think addressing that head on with a with a professional can be so helpful because, you know, those emotions just don't go away on on their own. And like thinking through it and working through the trauma is such an important piece of getting to a good space mentally to parent your son for the rest of his life. So that is really wonderful. 
I think when it comes to to the support, the first step to kind of finding your support is to be open about what you're facing. And, you know, especially now coming out of the pandemic, so many, I mean, you see the headlines, like children's mental health is a real crisis in this country. And I think part of part of what makes it hard, you know, when your kids are older, when they have something with regards to their development or mental health, you know, when there's uncertainty about what they're facing, it can feel like you can't talk about it with people, mm. that they might judge you for not having all the answers or that they might think of it as your fault as a parent that your child is facing this. But the best way to find support is by talking about it. Right. You know, so so if no one is open about the fact that their child is anxious or depressed, then everyone will be alone in helping their child who's anxious and depressed, for example. So that first step of finding support is to is to talk with people who are, you know, your your close support system. Like if they don't know what's going on with you, it might be harder for you to find because sometimes what what happens organically is like, you know, you are a little open and you are a little vulnerable about what you're dealing with. And even if the person doesn't know anything about it and can't be a resource, what what you may find is like, oh, you know, my sister had a had a baby in the NICU and went through exactly what you're dealing with. Let me put you in touch with her. And then, you know, often we're only one or two clicks away from somebody who does know or that can relate. And so in addition, obviously, to like Facebook groups with random people, which sometimes feel right and sometimes don't, your organic social network, you know, it's there. And those people are out there. Even you probably just don't know about it. It's interesting how many people reached out via text or DM saying, hey, my sister just went through this. How can I connect you? Or I went through this years ago. How are you doing? And it's interesting how open people are to discuss it. And I found myself actually unable to reply to a lot of the people. And I think I was still processing so much. So Later on, I had to go back through and say, hey, thank you for reaching out. I'm really sorry. I wasn't at the place where I could really discuss it yet kind of thing. But even though I didn't react right away, it meant so much to me. And so anyone listening who has someone who's going through it and you're thinking of reaching out or not, or if you haven't heard back from a friend or a colleague and you did reach out, just know that they're doing their best and they'll reach out to you when they can. But it did make such a difference to me to have the support. I just found myself almost stunted in being able to reply. And and I, I think I was trying to process everything as best I could. And so reaching out to others, it just felt exhausting. It was everything I could do to just make it through the day. And going through something like this really does show you who your people are, right? And that is such a gift because when you have friends and family who just step up, it means everything. I know you talk about finding joy in the journey. And sometimes when you're really in it, that feels really hard. And other times, you know, when you can choose to think and see it as like what I just said, I, I, I feel like my, finding my joy in the journey was being able to really see who was there for me 
during the time, right? And who reached out and who said, oh, I'll take you to the hospital. You need a ride. You can't drive and you need to visit the baby. Absolutely, I'll take you. You know, those people really, that's such a joy to find out who's going to help you in life. And, but it does, it sounds so great on paper, but it can be really hard work to find the joy. So what valuable strategies do you have to, promote a family's wellness and to find joy in the journey because there were days when it was really hard for me to do that. And then there were days where it felt really doable. I'm not sure I can really pinpoint the difference of what helped and what didn't, but it was really a mindset. But when you're going through something that traumatic, it's hard to have complete control over your thoughts all the time. Yes. Such great, such a great question. So you know, first, I, I'll just add that a lot of people don't reach out when people they love are dealing with a challenge because they don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And if you're a friend in that situation, I would say it's better to say something than nothing, even if it's just thinking about you, even if it's just like normally you talk about reality TV and you probably don't want to, you're too busy to watch the show, but I wanted to let you know about this reality TV thing. Like it doesn't always, it doesn't always have to be, you can acknowledge that your friend may be dealing with their health challenge or whatever they are dealing with, but they are still a person outside of that. And, and they still might want to connect with that part of themselves that they haven't had a chance to because they're so busy with somebody else's. You know, it's, in, it's interesting. I remember getting so many messages that just said, checking in, check it, how you doing, checking in. To be quite honest, I, that was the most difficult because I've learned when I have a friend going through something now, I will do the work for them in the text message by saying, hey, thinking of you watched our show, just like what you're saying. And just so you know, this is what happened, keeping you updated. We'll talk, you know, text me whenever. Or people saying, you know, just something simple, like no need to respond. I'm thinking of you. And if you want to hop on the phone at any time today, I will absolutely make time for you. And if not, don't worry. Just let me know. You know, that kind of thing. Just doing the work for them. When you get a text message or an email or any form of communication that just says checking in, it feels a bit more like a task to respond. And so I think you're right. If you can find a little bit of humanity in the text or a little bit of wit or something like that, it makes a huge, huge difference. For family members who have people going through this, any advice for that? Because I think, you know, people, when you're indirectly affected by it, it still really affects you. And I think people lose sight of the fact that, you know, spouses or or family members or best friends also go through it. And it is also difficult for them. Just because you're not the one sitting in the hospital bed doesn't mean you're not going through it too. Mm-hmm. It it can be very hard to be the grandparent or whoever it is in that situation because they don't want to give more work to the parent who already has so much on their plate, but they are not psychic, right? And they can't know everything you know if they're not in the meeting with the doctor and they can't like imagine what you're dealing with. And so often they'll suggest things that don't make sense or that, you know, they'll say the wrong thing. And it's not because they're incapable. It's because they're not informed, you know, but then the parent maybe doesn't have a chance to inform them. That's a whole nother job for them. So I do think in, in, when people are really in the thick of it, the number one thing to do is like, show up and and do things 
that need doing without being asked. The laundry, the dishes, the trash, the the getting groceries stocked for the house, like the you know the the stuff that is outsourceable, or it, it's something that I don't go into in a lot of detail in the book, but is a part of this that like there's also this financial component that people face when they're dealing with challenges. Like you know if you can help in that way of like just taking on like I'm gonna pay for somebody to come help with this if you're not local, that would be another way to help. It just practical, physical stuff. But to get back to what you were saying about joy, one thing that I was I was just thinking was so many parents that I talked to, so I talked to, you know, obviously I'd taken care of a lot of patients as a doctor, but when I was writing the book, I like had all these conversations with parents in case there were things that I had kind of missed. Mm-hmm. And I asked like, what helped you find peace or find joy or find meaning like from from everything you've dealt with? And definitely the common thread was being able to give back to others after. So say you, your child had some diagnosis, like say cerebral palsy, and it took you forever to find the right therapist and figure out the right equipment to get and how to deal with the school. And then you, you did eventually like figure it out and your child is in a more stable place now. And and you're able to help somebody else who's a year or two behind you to like make it easier for them. And and so many people, you know, that was something that brought them peace and joy and meaning into their life. It was like really sweet to hear about paying it for it. And obviously like when you're in the thick of it at the beginning, you're not in a mind space to do that, but that's one thing. And the, the other thing I'd say is gratitude, which has so much data in terms of the way it benefits you, your health and well-being. But finding things, things to be grateful for, even on the hard days, things like, you know, the the person in the office who's really nice to you or the fact that somebody, you know, gave you a lollipop when you would miss lunch or like it doesn't have to be big things, but but just finding the other big things people focus on or like sometimes challenges have unexpected positives. and. You can gain skills as as a caregiving parent. Your siblings, your healthy siblings can gain skills. Even when it feels like this is hard, like say your older child, for instance. I'm sure the time when you were in the NICU trying to be in both places was really hard for her. But at the same point, like it was an opportunity for her to either get to know another member of your community in a new way. Maybe she had some like unexpected playdates with a new person, or maybe she gained some comfort and she had her maybe more time apart from you and gained confidence in in separating from you or whatever it is. There's often the unexpected positives that come for it. And if you look out for those, it can help you to feel more peace. Yes. The amount of time my daughter, Poppy, who's now three and a half, talks about her sleepovers she had with Nana, my mom, her grandma. I mean, it was such valuable time that they spent together. She still talks about it. And for her, it was such a special time because, you know, she got to be have sleepovers and it was her one of her first sleepovers without mom and dad. And, you know, it was a really big deal. So you're right. That is something that we can absolutely focus on. And she gained a ton of perspective from that. And something else my sister did is she sent me a book for my daughter about preemie babies. And so it was a a simple little book that we could read to her so she could understand that her brother was here, but he wasn't here at the house. And this is why. And 
still to this day, she says, oh, this is my brother Jones. He's a preemie. You know, she understands and it's really adorable. And she was able to help us, I think, you know, because in reading that book to her, it helped us deal with it as well. So the family was healing together. So that's such great advice. Well, I would love for you to talk to us about advanced parenting for a minute. What made you want to write the book? And do you have any favorite chapters, favorite parts, favorite stories about it? Yes. Yes. So, you know, one story I'll share. So I was doing the complex care work at an academic medical center. And then, you know, I was, when I had little kids, I switched to doing public health work in the South Bronx, supporting the same children, like in school-based setting. And part of what I learned in that transition was how much gets lost between like the doctor's office and the community. And there was one day in particular when I was like, coming home from taking care of a really sick kid in the hospital and the family was really stressed and they didn't know what to do in terms of like how to cope with the stress and make a plan and find the right doctors and do all this stuff. And a friend of mine called me who was literally at the playground with her child, but he had had recurrent wheezing and maybe he had a diagnosis of asthma, maybe not, but he was clearly like well enough to be at the playground. And she was like, but I just don't know how to like cope with the stress of him having a breathing problem. And I don't know like who to trust or who to ask for help. And I don't know how to make a plan. And it was like literally the same conversation. And I realized that there was just this gap because both these families had unrestricted lots of doctor content, but they didn't have like that next step contact of like, how do I incorporate all this medical stuff into my family life? And so that, that was what I was hoping to fill with advanced parenting was like, what now? <laughs> like, No, yeah. And that's, and you did, you, you filled that gap and you bridged that. And that is really hard to do because you're right. And uh, I guess thank you. I want to say thank you for doing that because what I experienced was on a smaller scale to, you know, a lot of the stories that you deal with on a day-to-day basis or dealt with when you shared those stories. But I, I appreciate you being able to fill the gap because it is hard. And, you know, sometimes life keeps going, right? Life keeps going and yet yours has changed significantly. And so to be able to have something to tangible to hold on to and read and help through that scenario is is amazing. And our conversation today has helped me as well because even just talking to someone about it and being able to speak openly on the mic, knowing others will hear this and to share the story has meant a lot to me. So thank you for coming on today and being the one that I can share the story with and to discuss. And I just really appreciate you and all the work that you do. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And for those listening, Advanced Parenting is available anywhere, correct? Anywhere you get your books. Anywhere you get your books. And there's an audiobook too. So, And is that on Audible? Yes. Okay. And you can get Advanced Parenting on Audible as well because we all know we have crazy lives. And I don't know about you, but I read a lot of my books on Audible and, and just listen as I'm driving in the car. So that's, you can do that too. Well, thank you, Dr. Kelly Fraden. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. So nice to meet you. You know, it's so hard to even know how to end this episode because for me, it feels like it's the beginning. It's just the beginning of my story with Jones. So I guess how I can end it is just to thank you guys for being here and letting me share my story and for all the support you guys have shown throughout the years. It means so much to me. 
And thank you, Dr. Kelly Fraden, for being a part of this episode. And I can tell you right now, this is going to be my favorite one we've done so far. So I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. And we have another great one coming for you next week. Until then, take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions, hosted by me, Kayla Yule. Produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions. Editing by Diane Kang. Post-production sound by Coco Lawrence. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. 